0: It's wonderful to be with you again today, to be able to look into God's Word, uh, to be challenged by it. I'm going to be sharing a message today that I believe is um, very important and very vital, particularly in the times in which we live. One that the Lord has really been ministering to me. And uh, so I really will be sharing from what the Lord has been doing in my life uh, today. I'm going to be speaking from Philippians chapter 3. Before we read this passage, let me just open and pray father we thank you that we can come to your word we thank you that you have given us your word that we might be instructed that we might be corrected that we might be challenged that we might be equipped and so we thank you lord for your word which is alive and active which is sharper than a two-edged sword and we thank you father for the holy spirit who is also with us, in us, and upon us. So we ask that you would take your words and that you would make them life to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read from Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 2 and we're going to read right through to verse 1 of chapter 4. So this whole passage, Philippians chapter 3 from verse 2 through to verse 1 of chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. These are the words of the Apostle Paul and this is what he wrote. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I'm sure that you can sense the passion in Paul as he wrote these words to the church in Philippi. A group of people that he loved, a group of people that he cared for and had given his life to lead to the Lord and to salvation. I think you can sense and see the selflessness and the passion and the determination and focus and commitment that Paul had to Christ. And I think that from this passage, we can see what his life was all about, what inspired him, what drove him to live the way that he did. I want to ask a question as we start out today. Why did Paul write these words, the words we just read? Why did he write them to the church in Philippi? I believe it was to hold up his life as a pattern for them to follow. We see in verse 17 of chapter 3 where he said, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, you have us as a model. It was as if he was saying to them, Look at my life and the way I have lived my life, and that and follow that as if it is the true way of following Christ, the true faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, I believe he was saying, This is what your life should look like. He even told them to take note of those and follow those who lived like he did. He said, keep your eyes on those who live the way we do. And so he was definitely holding himself up and his way of life up as a pattern for them to follow. Why did he think it was necessary for him to spend this amount of time in this letter Penning these words and holding up his life as an example. I believe it was to protect them from a form of Christianity that was creeping in amongst them. A worldly form of Christianity. A form of Christianity that was focused on worldly things. Uh, that worshipped and served and uh, the satisfaction of human desires rather than God a form of Christianity that was more devoted to food and drink and pleasure and comfort and the quality of life than it was to Christ. And he said that it was a form of Christianity that was opposed to the cross of Christ. He said that these people were living as enemies of the cross of Christ. He didn't say that they were living as enemies of Christ, but of the cross of Christ. In other words, their lifestyle opposed the very essence of Christ's cross. They were not concerned about the terribleness of sin, the need for righteousness and holiness in every area of their lives. These people that he was talking about were not interested in suffering for Christ or in laying down their lives to serve others. They were committed rather to living for self, and serving their own interests rather than the interests of Christ. They judged their spirituality and their spiritual well-being by what they owned, and the quality of life that they had, and they gloried in those things. It was a Laodicean type of Christianity, a lukewarm Christianity in which Christ was talked about, but he was not really loved and served, in which he was really, in essence, and in reality, shut out of the door, in which there was no real fellowship with him. And Paul knew that such Christianity, that form of Christianity, would never find acceptance with God, that it would never please him, that it would never satisfy the heart of a God who gave his Son to die on a cross. He knew that if they got caught up in this form of Christianity, they would fall from their secure position and that the end of their existence would be destruction. And so he was making sure to remind them of his way of life and holding it up as the the epitome of what Christianity is all about and what faith in Christ is all about. It was as if he were saying to them, my life is... Really shows you what faith in Christ should look like. This is what we read in chapter 4 and verse 1. He said, My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. What was he doing? He was saying that if they follow him, if they imitated his way of life, that would enable them to stand firm in the Lord right to the end. You see, If he was alive today and standing right where I am, I believe Paul would be saying to us exactly what he said to the church in Philippi, the believers back then. Why is this passage just as important and relevant to us as it was to the Philippians back then? If we are going to be able to stand firm in the Lord, if we're going to escape the destruction that is coming, if we're going to inherit the gift of God this great gift of eternal life that God has presented so freely to us in Christ Jesus, then we need to pay careful attention to what the Apostle Paul is teaching here in this passage. And I think it's particularly important and particularly relevant for us to do this in these days of apostasy and compromise and ever-increasing lawlessness in which we live in. So let's look a little bit more closely at what we've read here. In verse 6, Paul says this whatever were gains to me, in other words, whatever was considered to be advantageous and of benefit to him, he considered loss, he considered to be detrimental for the sake of Christ. What was Paul saying here in this verse? What he was saying was this everything that he had trusted in and boasted about, he no longer trusted in and boasted about. All the things that He placed such great value upon before he came to faith in Christ, he no longer placed any value on. All those things that he considered so important, he no longer thought were important. They had paled into insignificance and irrelevance in the light of the glory of the person of Jesus Christ and the wonder of the relationship Paul had discovered with him. You see, Paul's life was no more about his human ancestry as an Israelite, about the fact that he had been circumcised on the eighth day, or that he was devoted to carrying out the law and all its ordinances. His life was now all about Jesus Christ, about his relationship with Christ, about his service of Christ. And that was all that mattered to Paul. He had come to that place where Christ was all in all to him. But that's not all. We see that it was not just the things that he used to boast in or that he used to value that he now considered to be worthless in the light of his relationship and service of Christ. He carries on and he says that in verse 7, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He, He was saying that it was everything that this world had to offer. All the world's riches, all the world's comforts, all the pleasures, his family, even his own life in this world no longer mattered to Paul. The only thing that mattered to Paul was his relationship with Jesus Christ. He had become absorbed in Christ. Let's not forget that as Paul was writing these words to the Philippians... He was writing from prison in Rome. He was writing with chains around his ankles. Chains that had been around his ankles for a long time. He was sitting there in that prison in that foreign city. He truly had lost everything. Paul gave up everything simply because of his devotion to Christ and his love for Jesus Christ. There was nothing that mattered to Paul apart from that love that relationship that person Jesus Christ we also see that the kind of faith that Paul had in Christ the kind of Christianity that he believed in was not one that was passive it was one that was absorbed with the Lord Jesus Christ it was one that was filled with strong desires but not desires for worldly things not desires for material things but desires for things that were spiritual. In other words, were not a part of this creation. And it was these things that he valued above everything else. He mentions in this passage four things that he greatly desired for. We see these four things mentioned in verses 9 through to verse 11. The first one is he said, he desired to be found in Christ. Notice that word, to be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness that was his own, that was based on the works of the law, but the righteousness of God that could only come through faith in Christ. The kind of faith that he had. You see, Paul didn't want to be righteous in name only. He wanted to be able to stand before God on the judgment day in true righteousness He wanted to be holy and blameless in every way before God. And he was living his life with that desire as a supreme desire, motivating everything he did, shaping his priorities, his perspectives, his actions, his words. Everything about his life was shaped by these desires. He considered that prize, the crown of righteousness that he said the Lord would give to him on that day. He considered that prize to be more valuable to him than anything else, anything that this world could offer, anything that this life could give him. He wanted to know Christ Jesus. He said, I want to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. You see, everything about Paul's life was centered in and focused in on Jesus Christ. He said, I want to be made like Him. And He didn't just say, I want to be made like Him. He said, I want to be made like Him in His death. What was He talking about? I believe He was talking about the fact that He wanted to be like Jesus was as Jesus went to the cross. As Jesus put out His hands to those that were going to arrest Him. As He offered His back to those that were going to whip Him. Why did the Lord Jesus do that? Because He was wholly surrendered to God. He was unreservedly committed to doing God's will. And we see that the Lord was faithful to God even to death, right up to his last breath. There was nothing within him that was unfaithful to God. The Lord was completely dead to sin, but wholly alive to God. And that's what Paul was wanting. He was wanting to have the same kind of devotion to God as he saw in his Savior, and his Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to be made like the Lord in his death. Absolutely surrendered, absolutely committed, absolutely sold out to doing the will of the Father where nothing would stand in the way of him doing so. We also see that he said he wanted to somehow attain to the resurrection out of the dead. So these are the four things that Paul said that he wanted. He wanted to be found in Christ, not with a righteousness that is His own, but the righteousness that comes from God through faith. He wanted to stand before Him blameless. He wanted to know Jesus. He didn't want to just know about Him. He wanted to know Him. He wanted to experience the power of His resurrection working in His life. He wanted to share and have the fellowship of His sufferings. He wanted to be made like Him in his death. And he wanted somehow, through all of this, to attain to the resurrection out of the dead. And he said that everything else he considered garbage in relation to these things. We can see, as I said earlier, that there was nothing passive about Paul's faith and Christianity. And I really want to belabor this point Because so many times our Christianity becomes passive. Our faith in Christ becomes passive, inactive. But when we look at Paul, his entire life from the time the Lord Jesus was revealed to him, there was nothing passive about his life and his faith. The opposite was true. As we read these words, we see the intensity in which he pursued the things which he so desired. We see the passion that he lived and served Christ with. He didn't live as if he had already arrived, as if he had been perfected already. We need to remember that as Paul was writing these words, he was towards the end of his life, towards the end of his ministry. He had already traveled many parts of the world of that time. He had already established all the churches that we know about in Scripture. He was already a seasoned apostle serving God and he had the very fruits of his labor to show for his service. And yet here he says, I don't consider myself to have attained all this. I don't believe that I've arrived. I don't believe that I've been perfected. And we see him continuing to strive and strain forward. Just you think of the words that he used. He was like a very talented athlete who had set his sights on winning a gold medal at the Olympic Games. That's how Paul lived his Christian life. He was as if he was, he was pursuing a crown. He was pursuing a glory. He was pursuing something that he knew was going to take all his devotion, all his focus, all his energy to attain. And he would not allow himself to be distracted from following and pursuing that goal that he had. He said that he would not allow himself to be caught up in the past. He was not focused on his present circumstances as he was sitting in that prison with those chains on his ankles. His sights were set on what lay ahead. He was constantly looking forward to what God had promised him in Christ Jesus. He was constantly reaching and searching and seeking to attain the goal that he had, which he said was the prize for which Christ had called him heavenward. Just listen to his words again in verses 12 to 14. Look at what he says here. Just listen to him. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Notice that word. I press on to take hold of That for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on, there's that phrase again, towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul knew that Christ had laid hold of him. Do we know that Jesus Christ has laid hold of us? Paul knew why Christ had laid hold of him. Do we know why Christ has laid hold of us? And Paul also knew that he had to reach out and lay hold of that for which Christ had laid hold of him. Paul knew that he was saved by grace, but he also knew That God's grace did not mean a passive Christian life. That it was never designed to convert us into a passive Christian. He knew he had a part to play in working out his salvation. He knew that he had to respond to the grace of God in order to benefit from what Christ had promised and provided. He knew he had to diligently seek the Lord. And it was his faith in Jesus that moved him to do this very thing, because he knew, he knew what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, that the Lord is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. What a contrast Paul's life was, and Paul's pursuits and priority in life was, to those whom he said were living as enemies of Christ, those who had embraced this other form of Christianity, He was warning the Philippians not to be like them, but to be like him. The people that he spoke about in verse 18 and 19, where he said, I have told you about these people before, and I tell you again, even with tears, they live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. What a contrast we see between that group of people and between the Apostle Paul. You see, Paul was absorbed in Christ. Nothing else mattered to him. But they were far more absorbed in the things of this world, pursuing pleasure from food, drink, and the luxuries and comforts of this world. They were far more engrossed and focused upon the quality of their lives. But Paul was absorbed in Christ. While Paul truly did worship and serve God and was willing to lose everything for him, their God was really their own desires and pleasures. While Paul was focused on heavenly things, they were focused on earthly things. While Paul gloried in Christ and boasted in Christ, their glory was in The worldly pursuits and all the things that those pursuits provided for them. The quality of life they enjoyed. The things that Paul said would be their very shame on the judgment day. They spoke about Christ and their faith in Him, but Paul demonstrated it. They talked about the cross, but Paul was carrying his cross and giving his life for those whom Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for. You see, they talked about the cross, but they had no concern about the people for whom Jesus went to the cross for. That wasn't the case with Paul. Do you see in this letter how concerned Paul was for these saints in Philippi? For this church that he had led to the Lord and birthed in the Lord? Do you see how concerned he was that their faith would remain strong and steadfast? That they would not be caught up into this uh, lukewarm, apathetic, worldly type of Christianity. You know that in a letter where the words joy and rejoice were used by Paul repeatedly, we suddenly see him saying, I'm writing these words weeping. As Paul looked at the lives of these people that he said were living as enemies of the cross of Christ, against the very essence of the cross of Christ, he said he was in tears he was weeping he knew he knew what that kind of Christianity that kind of life would lead to he knew where it was taking people and as he looked at these people he knew that they were deceived he knew that they were deceived into believing that they were following Christ when actually they were not following him brothers and sisters as I read this passage and as I consider Paul's words there is a solemnness, there's a sense of sobriety that engulfs me. And even as I was preparing this, and even in the weeks before I started to prepare this message, through these words, I've been forced to consider my own life. And I've been forced to ask myself some questions that I believe every single one of us needs to ask. Have I slipped? Has my devotion to Jesus Christ waned? Has my passion for Him and my love for Him grown cold? Do I still love Him more than anything else? Am I willing to lose everything for His sake? Am I still straining forward towards the perfection that God seeks in me and for which Jesus Christ died? Or have I become satisfied with my progress? Have I begun to act like I have arrived? Are the things of the world becoming more important to me than the things of heaven? These are the questions I've been forced to ask myself and to consider as I looked at this passage and as the Holy Spirit took these words and began to burn them into my soul. You see, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, we can be deceived into following a form of Christianity. That's not true Christianity. Worse than that, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that a lukewarm form of Christianity is acceptable to God. We can be like the people that the Lord Jesus spoke to in his time where he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet you don't do what I say? We can be like the people to whom James wrote where he said, Don't hear the word of God. Do it. Don't just be hearers but be doers also we can be like the people to who, about whom the apostle john wrote people that claim to know god yet do not obey him people that claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness people that claim to be righteous and yet follow unrighteousness people that claim to be born again by the spirit of god and yet are living just as they did before they said they were born again you see We can be people who make claims about our relationship with God and yet our life doesn't support those claims, doesn't bear witness to those claims. We can be like the third group of people in the Lord Jesus' parable about the sower. That group of people that he said, hear the word, but as they go their way, it's choked in them. Like weeds choke other plants, the cares and anxieties and the pressures and the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life come in and cause the word of God to be choked in our lives and it never bears fruit it never really takes hold of us and shapes us and transforms our lives into what God wants it to be and what he said sent his word to make us I believe that if the Apostle Paul was to be standing here before you today in my place, he would be speaking to us this way today. This is how he'd be talking to us. The words that I'm sharing with you are not my words, but they are the words that God inspired the Apostle Paul to write down for us. That God has preserved over 2,000 years so that we could read, so that we could be challenged, so that we would not be deceived. I want to ask you today, as I've asked myself, is your life all about Jesus Christ? Are you engrossed, absorbed with Christ? Is He everything to you? Are you living your life for Him? No matter what vocation you're in, are you doing it for Him? Are you, do you wake up in the morning because you're about to live a day for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you begin your day and set your heart to live for Him no matter what you're going to be doing in that day? No matter where you're going to be going in that day or whom you're going to be seeing? Is your boast in Jesus or is it in other things? Is your conversation filled with Him? Because that's a very good indicator to see where our hearts are. Because the Lord Jesus said that what is in our hearts in abundance will come out of our mouths. If we can spend hours in conversation without ever talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a very good indication of where our hearts are and what our hearts are absorbed in. Do we still have a burning desire, an overarching desire to be all that God wants us to be? Are we pursuing these things? Are we pursuing the matters of heaven? Are we pursuing the kingdom of God? Are we pursuing the things of Christ above all? Have we given our lives? Are we devoted to serving Him? To doing His will? Do we have ears that are open to hear His voice and to obey His commands and His instructions for our lives? Are we living our lives so that His death will not be in vain? So that everything that He died to bring will be realized in our lives and in the lives of the people that God brings us into contact with every day. I believe that the Lord wants us to be completely and totally devoted to Him. There's nothing that He will accept less than that. You know, He said to His apostles, we can read this in Matthew chapter 10, He said these words, He said, anyone that loves father or mother, son or daughter, or even their own life more than me, is not worthy of me. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, when you consider how much I love you, unless you love me back that same way, unless your devotion to me matches the devotion that I've had towards you, you're not really worth the devotion that I've shown towards you. It's like a a man who loves his wife with all his heart, but she doesn't love him back. Would he ever be satisfied with that? And that's the way so many of us, and I include myself, have lived and responded to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ, where he gave up everything for us. And so I want to leave this challenge with you today. And I pray that God will take these words and deeply minister them to you. That you would not just hear these words... And that they would pass in one ear and out the other ear. That they would not be heard by you but be forgotten. I pray that God would take these words and by His Spirit and through the work that He alone can do, He would transform us and that He would move us towards living the kind of life the Apostle Paul lived. Let's pray. Father, I thank You today. Your word truly is sharper than a two-edged sword. And yes, Father, it is, it's sobering and it's challenging. It cuts deeply. It penetrates. It divides soul and spirit. It judges the very thoughts and the intents of our hearts. It lays everything exposed. But Father, today we don't want to... Turn away from what your word is saying. We don't want to shut off our hearts to what the Spirit of God is saying through the Apostle Paul. But Father, we want to open our hearts. We want to be hearers of your word and doers of it. We want to have ears that can hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as your people. And so, Father, I pray today for every person hearing this message, that they would not shut the window and the doors of their hearts. They would not harden their hearts, but they would receive this word, that it might be implanted in them and that it might change them and empower them to live the kind of life you've called us to live, to be the kind of people you've called us to be. So, Father, I pray, may your word go forth today and may it produce in our lives what you sent it to produce. May it not return to you void. I thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise forever and ever. Amen. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never served Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never really known Jesus Christ. You've never understood what the gospel is all about or who Jesus is. I want you to know today that Jesus Christ is the greatest of the great, the most incredible person that has ever lived on the face of this earth. He is the Son of God and He's the only one that can save your soul. He's the only one who can give you eternal life. He's the only one that can join your life back together with God again. The only one who can reconcile you to God and be a mediator between you and God. I would love it if you have never followed Jesus Christ or made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Or maybe you don't know really what that even means. I would love it if you would be able to contact us at the church offices. And so in the very description of this video on YouTube there will be uh, the details of our church office, our telephone numbers, our address and we would love it if you would contact us so that we can speak to you, so that we can help you to know what this is all about, what this life of faith in Jesus Christ is all about, what knowing God is all about, what salvation is all about. We would love to be able to help you in these matters so that your life can be completely changed and transformed and so that you can enjoy eternity in the presence and the blessing of God forever. So please don't hesitate to contact us. We would love to be able to help you and pray with you and just lead you into this great knowledge and this great salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. May God bless you all Uh, thank you for being with us today. Uh, We love you. We appreciate you. And I know that God is working in us for His glory. Amen.